Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Buck show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm coming at you solo, but we have a new Hall of Famer uh, among former Milwaukee Bucks, and that's Bob Dandridge. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, this past week along with Chris Bosh, Paul Pierce, Ben Wallace, Chris Weber, and Tony Kukoc, just to name a few. Uh, I figured we'd go through a bit of Bob's, uh, the Greyhound Dandridge's resume. He was a two-time NBA champion, four-time All-Star, uh, and he's also on an All-NBA team and All-Defensive team in 1979. He had he played nine seasons with the Milwaukee Bucks, including um, 18.6 points, 7.8 three rebounds, 3.2 assists, and 1.5 steals uh, in nine seasons. Worth mentioning, in at least half of those seasons, uh, steals were uh, not even an official stat yet. And it's, in four of those nine seasons, they weren't. And uh, naturally, his steals totals um, progressively went down as he aged. So that could have even been higher. Um but yeah, it was, I'll admit that I sort of forgot about uh, the fact that this was coming and I'd say Bob Dandridge probably falls beneath those other handful of guys that I mentioned uh, in terms of uh, status. But uh, to me, it was a pretty big dink that uh, we had just had that conversation with Matt it's the last week about Hall of Fame chances for Chris Middleton, and I thought uh, about how that could be a stretch. But, um, I mean, looking at the Greyhounds resume, it does not look very different at all from Chris's. Um, of course, uh, Dandridge will have the resume, or pardon me, the longevity going for him, but those career splits that I just named are uh, pretty close to what Chris's could end up being. Chris's aren't far, are, I'd say, slightly better than that at this point. But, of course, um, similar to the Greyhounds steel averages, that might go down a little bit as, uh, you know, Chris reaches the resolution of his career. But Chris already has uh, a championship and two all-stars under his belt, and we hope that that, that one championship can help build on um, build on where he's at at this point, get him uh, a couple more all-stars, maybe maybe get that third team all-NBA that has eluded him. I believe it was uh, not this season, but the one, the one prior when he received more points than uh, individuals that ended up making the team as a guard. But since he was uh, strictly considered a forward, uh, he, he did not make it that year. So, um, that's one year where he could have gotten that uh, All-NBA year to match the Greyhounds. And yeah, of course, with 
with the age of Giannis and uh, having a lot of the other guys locked down for many years, we hope that we can also hopefully get another championship. Knock on wood there. Um, I know off the top of listeners' head, they may not have realized that um, Dandridge had another NBA championship besides the one with the Bucks in 1971. And um, let's see, it was 79 or 78, but uh, Dandridge had won in 78 with the Washington Bullets alongside uh, Wes Unseld, uh, Elvin Hayes. Uh, let me see here. Pardon me. I'm forgetting Phil Chenier. I was afraid I was going to say totally wrong first name there. Uh, and Mitch Kupchak too. Uh, longtime executive with the Lakers and now with the Charlotte Hornets, I believe. Uh, they faced off against the Seattle Supersonics twice, uh, in the late seventies. Uh, first getting the best of the Sonics and then falling to them the following year in the NBA finals. And, uh, course greyhound played a huge role there just like he did with the milwaukee bucks in 71 so um yeah of course always happy to see a former buck uh get into the hall of fame especially uh one that we believe might have gotten a bit overlooked throughout history considering um obviously him getting his induction now as opposed to um some of his younger younger days, like the guys headline headlined in this class, but just happy that it came and, um, yeah, we'll see we'll see how similar how similarly this plays out to a guy like Chris Middleton, who we who we think uh, has a chance to uh, you know carve out a, a career just like the Greyhound. Uh, another big uh, point of news that came this week was uh, a Bobby Portis interview with the Athletic Sham Sarania. Uh, it's a quick, I believe, slightly less than 10-minute interview uh, with Bobby, but he covered a lot of quick points with Shams, including um, quotes saying that uh, he's been on a lot of stinker teams and he wanted to find a home, and uh, he's clearly found that with the Milwaukee Bucks here um, and appreciates the great culture that we built here um, with our championship organization and uh, no small part due to Giannis. Anadokounmpo and his character, he talked about how uh, heading into the offseason, Giannis kept uh, uh, ongoing discussions with uh, not just Bobby, but also John Horst reiterating that he wanted Bobby to, Bobby to of course, come back, but um, he also made sure to emphasize with Bobby that, of course, uh, Portis had to do what, what was best for him and his family first, of course, before um appeasing uh the nba champions but uh of course we got ourselves quite a deal there and uh hopefully we can make good on on that discount that bobby took with uh with a future deal um bobby also spoke about feeling like he could really come in and fill fill in a role and impact winning as he clearly did with this championship roster um and also talked about how how he felt like this team this team was close but just quite couldn't get over over the hump um two years ago of course being two wins away from the finals and then losing uh four straight to the raptors and what some have coined the freak sweep but that's still being workshopped and of course uh last year's uh struggle in the bubble 
Um, Bobby felt that despite that, he wanted to be a part of uh, doing something big in Milwaukee. And of course, he was uh, definitely a major accomplishment for any player being a, uh, you know, being a top six, six, seven guy on an NBA championship team is, uh, is, a, is a huge accomplishment to say the least. Now, um, of course, we're getting into uh, some of the dog days of the NBA offseason. So um, I know Locked on Bucks had a lot of fun with uh, what many thought might be the biggest news of the week, and that was uh, Tremont Waters agreeing to uh, compete for a roster spot uh, on a training camp deal. That news coming initially from, again, the Athletic Champs, Serrania. Uh, the Bucks currently have a two-way spot available alongside Sandro Mamokelishvili. Uh, otherwise, they have 17 guys uh, on roster, um, I believe, um, according to Spot Track, and that would include uh, Mamadi Diakite and also Elijah Bryant. Uh, we learned this week that uh, Elijah Bryant might have hurt his chances to uh, come back to the Bucks by posting um, some sort of ignorant anti-COVID vaccine uh, post on his Twitter and Instagram. I honestly didn't look at it uh, incredibly closely, but it, uh, but yeah, it was making some asinine comparison between, uh, I don't know, the fact that. It was some weird like McDonald's connection about how uh, Americans, of course, uh, consume an ungodly amount of McDonald's and all of the all of the crud that obviously goes into fast food. So I don't know. Honestly, it was it was very weird. And I feel like I'm um, not getting the point across. But I mean, it's beside beside the point. Probably not smart move for a guy who's um, definitely a contender to not make the uh final roster there uh yeah as it stands with 17 guys right now and right now just mamadi and bryant having uh either partial or non guarantees it seems like if they want to stay on the roster it would just be a fight between uh those two for the second two-way spot and i guess technically along with tremont waters but um yeah, disappointing there from Elijah Bryant, but of course not super. Uh, neither neither Elijah Bryant's anti-COVID vaccine post nor uh, Tremont Waters signing for a training camp uh, deal uh, super consequential for the Bucks. But um, since Milwaukee Bucks fans might not know a ton about uh, Tremont Waters, I figured I'd go over a little bit about him. He's a uh, 5'10", 175-pound uh, 23-year-old point guard. He spent the last two years with the Boston Celtics, and he played college at LSU. I believe he was the 2019-2020 G League Rookie of the Year with 18 points, uh, 3.3 rebounds, and 7.9 uh, assists per game. And last season... With the A-team, the Boston Celtics, he uh, started three of the 26 games that he played. Um, definitely not 
uh, averages that'll jump out at you in just 9.2 minutes per game, uh, 3.8 points, uh, 2.4 assists per game, but 39.5% shooting from three, of course, on limited attempts. Um, but yeah, definitely a guy of his, of his size is going to have to shoot it if he wants to uh, carve out a role. Um, so that just speaks to how unlikely it is that Waters will end up making a big impact for the Bucks. But of course, uh, training camp deal, uh, there's uh, very little opportunity cost to be lost there. He did have a career-high 17 points against the the New York Knicks in May, um, similar to uh, one of Jordan Juarez's uh, 20-plus point games in the past that we've seen, but nonetheless impressive for anybody to do in the NBA. Um, But yeah, we spoke about how about the dog days of the uh, Bucks offseason here, and that prompted the lockdown Bucks to to do a segment that I've kind of thought about a lot myself, but I guess no better time to do this. And it was kind of a discussion coined, uh, which role player from years past would you have liked to won a championship with us? Uh, sort of paraphrasing that, but sort of something I've thought about considering uh, the, the huge progression of this team and in uh, this uh, era with Giannis and Chris uh, basically, Lockdown Bucks played the ultimate, hey, what about this guy segment, uh, including names from uh, very different criteria. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, you could name a guy like Kareem, but I believe the purpose that Lockdown Bucks considered was more of a sort of what's a guy that you think could actually realistically um, have uh, helped out this Bucks roster either in last year's championship run in a limited role or uh, in our journey to repeat. Um, first, first one that people think about is obviously PJ Tucker. That many of us are sad that that we've lost, but we understand the organization's motivations there. Um, uh, Malcolm Brogdon's probably the. Um, yeah, at first thought, he's the best former Buck uh, currently in the organization. Um, and I know Frank Madden in the past talked about a what if when we... Uh, it's it's a lot funnier now, but Frank Madden's talked about a what if where, um, uh, you know, last year going in, um, not quite the favorites to win the championship that we ended up pulling off, but you know, also in the regular season last year, not being that number one seed that we have gotten accustomed to in the past, and um, maybe not as much reason for optimism. Frank Madden wondered what if we didn't give up George Hill in a trade, and I found that um, kind of interesting because um, you know. To me, when when that question was posed, my initial thought was, "Well, what could we have, what could we have given in a trade that would have that would have equate, uh, yeah, been the equivalent to a a George Hill?" Because, um, 
I just feel like that's a better thought exercise than just wondering if uh, John Horse could have um, could have had a better negotiation or if he would have been less over a barrel with Giannis's extension at that point and uh, past playoff failures. So really the only way that I thought about um, how we could have held on to George Hill and improved that backup point guard spot last year if, if we could have actually signed um, Malcolm Brogdon to potentially contract that he has right now, which is a very tradable contract, I would say it, um, you know, 20, 20 million a year for a, for an above average, uh, starting caliber guard, um, who can play on both ends. That's definitely a very tradable contract. Um, if you paired that along with Bledsoe instead of George Hill, maybe we could have also kept, uh, some other picks, or gotten something else back along with Drew Holiday. Maybe that would have been necessary just for, just for salary matching. But again, these are just kind of funny off-season hypotheticals, and we won the ultimate prize anyway. So, um, of course, other names that come up include uh, Thon Maker, drafted the same year as Malcolm Brogdon. Thon definitely showed flashes of being a player who could have huge uh, playoff impact um, with some monster blocks that he had. And, of course, his, unfortunately, more theoretical uh, shooting, shot blocking, and mobility on defense that he so far hasn't quite put together. But uh, kind of a guy that you could have you could have imagined if he had fulfilled his potential, uh, could have excelled alongside uh Giannis, but of course not everybody can fulfill um, the potential that in Thon's case was donned upon him by uh, Kevin Garnett saying that Thon Maker would be an MVP in this league, but uh, thankfully thankfully we have a two-time MVP of our own already, and maybe there's more to come there. Um, More low-hanging fruit would be an Ersan Ilyasova who had three separate stints with the Milwaukee Bucks and ended up coming back uh, last season uh, like we had thought could have been possible with uh, either him or uh, or Kyle Korver. Um, you know, we're seeing it this year with J.J. Redick who says that he's basically just going to hang out um, and check out the landscape of the, of the NBA when... Um, you know, it's a lot more obvious who the, who the contenders are going to be closer to the closer to the playoffs later on. Um, and there's some uh, speculation following the uh, Lakers trading Marcus Saul back to the Grizzlies so he can um, stay in Spain for the time being. There's some speculation on the on uh, Sam Vecini's uh, Game Theory podcast with. Um, Gosh, the name is totally escaping me. Uh, John Hollinger, of course, um, former Memphis Grizzly executive there, speculating if uh, perhaps Gasol could uh, do something similar to Ursan before and now J.J. Redick and just taking some time off and evaluating the best situation for them later on in the season closer to the playoffs. Um, but yeah, it would have been of course, ideal if Ursan had joined the Bucks, so he could be a part of a part of the Bucks championship. Given all that he's 
uh, provided to the organization over the past uh, decade plus. But yeah. Um, okay. Well, someone I would uh, mention in the conversation along with Malcolm Brogdon for best uh, former buck out there is a uh, Christian Wood who was getting some all-star buzz last year before um, before he got hurt. And of course, the Rockets season really tanked um and similar mold to thon maker they're obviously um with a little bit more of his potential actualized um however i think it would have been tougher as opposed to um that hypothetical uh brogdon contract taking back it obviously would have been uh, well, actually, probably impossible for us to sign Christian Wood to the deal uh, that he got. Uh, a couple other guys for sentimental reasons that I know Bucks fans would have been really happy to have back, and that's John Henson and uh, Matthew Delavadova. I believe the Bucks social media team released the clip of a of a of a deli steal of an inbound pass and. And uh, chucking up a floater in at the buzz here. I believe that might have even been... This is a total guess. I believe it was against the Celtics, and that means it could have also been in a in a past playoff series. But I say that with uh, not the most confidence, I'll admit. Um, and yeah, I have literally four lines of, of names uh, mentioned here. But... I also listed out some of my own that were left off of the Lockdown Bucks list, and that's uh, OJ Mayo and Karan Butler. I thought of them initially because, uh, obviously, I'm reading Mirren Fader's Giannis book at the moment, and um, I'll admit I I don't read as nearly as frequently as I should, so I'm taking my time through this one, um, maybe halfway through, uh, and I'm just... Um, a chapter or two passed when Giannis initially came uh, to the to Milwaukee, so I'm starting to go breeze through it a little faster. And um, this isn't a huge spoiler by any means. I mentioned that I don't want to reveal too much from Mirren Fader's book because everyone should, in fact, go out and buy it instead. But um, apparently, when Giannis needed some help as a as an 18 or 19 year old adjusting to living in a new country by himself with all this money, um, OJ and Karan Butler went with Giannis and basically um, helped furnish his entire apartment. So um, NBA player players and veterans like themselves definitely have a lot better things that they can be doing besides furniture shopping with, uh, with a rookie. But um, yeah, that definitely seems like uh, a rare level of uh, leadership and guidance for um, for guys like them who definitely had no clue that Giannis would become the guy that he did. Um, I wrote down Eric Bledsoe as well, mainly because I certainly feel not great about all the terrible press that he's gotten throughout the years. Um, I mean, we're not just going to pretend like... Uh, like trading him him out and and acquiring uh, Drew Holiday as his replacement wasn't the single biggest factor in the Bucks um, turning into a title team, but um, 
he's still a talented player at that, especially on the, on the defensive end. And um, there's reason to believe that that a lot of his shortcomings has to do with a loss of confidence as opposed to a lack of talent as a former 20-point-per-game score with the Phoenix Suns. And hopefully he can bounce back uh, this year back on the Clippers, um, perhaps looking more more engaged on on a potential playoff team with uh, Paul George and Kawhi when he returns. Um, but yeah, it would have been quite an enormous redemption story for Eric Bledsoe to have been a part of this championship team. Um, that's what I think is the most appealing and thinking this through is obviously proving all the skeptics wrong about Bucks players that we, that we want to believe in, but can't always be the case. Uh, I threw in Carlos Delfino as, as a guy because I just think in this uh, more modern NBA that he would have been, um, he could have been even more effective now as a, as a, as a shooting forward, but I don't think Bucks are. Obviously, the NBA general, the NBA in general, is not too hard pressed for shooters. But uh, Del Thrino could have been even better in this era. Um, Kyle Korver, who I kind of breezed over in the past, is someone that I, someone that I threw on this list, because um, you know we had, along with Ursan Eliasova before, we thought that Korver could have p- perhaps returned for. Uh, the end of the season on a rest of season contract, given the Bucks hard cap situation last year being extremely limited in the money they could give back, but alas, he did not. But he was uh, very helpful helpful for the Bucks and the Milwaukee community on and off the court, and that's uh, really admirable, especially because he didn't have a ton of ties to the city. Um, being here for only what one season. I believe I feel pretty confident in that um, at the end of his career here. So another guy who, who deserved to get a championship, but uh, I think everyone would agree that, that his career is um, a successful one, long and successful one at that um, being drafted in the early two thousands and playing all the way into the 2020s is enormous. And I think the last name I'll name here on this uh, on this long segment of who would he, who would you have liked to win a championship with us or otherwise known as hey what about this guy is Greg Monroe. Um, I mean it's a little harder at this point to imagine uh, the necessity of him and from actually like contributing contributing on the court because that's what we more so had Bobby Portis in a supersize. Uh, Greg Monroe, Greg Monroe role, but um, he definitely put up buckets when he signed that what was at the time a huge free agent signing for Milwaukee. Um, it was like a three-year, fifty million dollar deal, and um, of course, as the as the league sort of modernized, uh, it kind of left him behind a bit, but. I mean, he still kind of stuck to his guns and uh, scored uh, scored a ton of points when we needed him, even when he got moved to more of a six-man role for us and I believe was even the leading scorer against us when we took down the 
um, the sixteen seventeen uh, or fifteen sixteen, I think. Yeah, the fifteen sixteen warriors. It would have been because that was the year that they. Oh man, I'm getting my warriors years mixed up now. No, it was the uh, yeah, because they won seventy three games before they lost the NBA finals. I believe that's right. Anyhow, I believe Greg Monroe was the leading scorer uh, in that game when we made the 15-16 Warriors uh, lose their first game of the year. Another prime off-season segment that I've maybe hinted at before, but now I feel like I finally get the chance to do so, and that is uh, what if the Eastern Conference finalists were assigned to the four nations from Avatar The Last Airbender. I'll admit a lot of this segment is, is more for me than for the listeners uh, compared to my usual topics, but this isn't completely random. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra in general is sort of my comfort show. Um, something I rewatch, uh, quite often, especially when I just need something, um, more familiar in the background when I'm planning these shows and doing my writing and remember being excited in the 2019, um, conference finals. I don't remember this being a, being a thing last year, this year, but. In 2019, they did this where they assigned the four conference finalists to one of each of the four nations in Avatar that year. Giannis was obviously an earthbender because he is just a complete uh, force of nature and he even talks uh, quite often about um, trying to break through the wall, which that one was quite simple. Um, and then going back over the 2019 roster, Steph Curry, obviously, um, a a waterbender since he is a splash brother. Uh, Damian Lillard was a firebender, I guess, having to do with his, uh, hot three point shooting. And then Kawhi Leonard was an air nomad due to probably just his, just him being, the maybe the most versatile all-around player uh, in the game of basketball with really only LeBron James being being uh, the other contender in that regard. But for 2021, Giannis remains the earthbender among the four conference uh, finalist superstars. Uh, this year, Trey Young would have been assigned to the Water Tribe Pretty much for the uh, Ice Tray nickname, although you could also see him in that same firebender role as a role as the hot three-point shooter um, Damian Lillard was a couple years ago. And then the tough one was deciding between uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul uh, versus Paul George as to who would be assigned as an Air Nomad and who would be assigned as uh, to the Fire Nation. Now, I looked at this. I tried. I tried going more so towards play styles, 
uh, for these four guys because I think that was the approach in 2019. So in that regard, I just assigned Paul George to the Fire Nation because he was a more uh, athletic, forceful um, guy when he gets to the lane. But um, clearly him and Devin Booker have extremely similar skill sets. So it's pretty hard to differentiate there. But um, Chris Paul uh, always being able to get to anywhere he wants on the floor, um, more so than maybe anybody else in the league, um, fits more so into that air nomad role than either a Devin Booker or a Paul George would. And also the two of them being less forceful and athletic than a Paul, than a Paul George also um, fits in under the air nomad category, but also maybe the most low hanging fruit is that uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul play for the Suns. So why wouldn't they, uh, fall into the category um, among the Sun Warriors for the um, some of the first uh, firebenders in Avatar The Last Airbender history. Of course, I don't know how many listeners are out there who fall into the Avatar fandom quite as much as I do, um, but you're welcome to uh, get at me on Twitter or Instagram. That's Nuck If You Buck. You is just the letter U. Everything else is spelt how it sa- sounds on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I would love to hear any feedback on there. Um, if you have any disagreements. Now, this show in prime off-season form is potentially going to be wrapping up uh, sooner than I usually would and I truthfully uh, thank everyone for their patience here as I try my best to record weekly for everyone who's sticking around but what continues to linger here in uh, uh, in the NBA verse is where Ben Simmons will possibly end up and, and who could potential suitors be um I believe last week um, in part two of episode 56 after uh, I had lost Matt Issa, I had talked about some scenarios that are talked about the most, including the Blazers and a fairly obvious uh, CJ McCollum swap, and then also the Timberwolves and Sacramento Kings who... Um, have executives with ties to the Philadelphia 76ers, Daryl Morey, and also our very middling teams that could really use a spark of talent um, in any way possible. Um, I'd say more so the Kings um, really are lacking talent as as compared to the Wolves, but the Wolves have had a had a lot more time to prove that that their talent can uh can at least take them to the playoffs. So uh, with Carl Anthony Towns, um, but I guess you could include D'Angelo Russell there as a former All Star and um, perhaps being asked to do a lot more than than he can truly uh, contribute. But with Carl Anthony Towns losing. Uh, his mother and I believe 
potentially another family member uh, within the past year or so due to COVID-19, you, he definitely gets a pass from there. But um, also just fit wise with Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Town is probably the best guy to place next to him uh, in the front court since I know I spoke about Towns possibly being the most uh, dynamic uh, shooter for a center uh, ever. Being able to hit shots off the dribble as a center and also, I mean, yeah, just being incredibly athletic for a center. But there were, there were some other takes that um, I had either thought about or heard from another podcast. Um, I had previously considered this and then it was brought up on another podcast, so I felt uh, vindicated from it. And that is... Um, the idea that that possibly the Pacers could get involved because they they somewhat fit into a mold. Well, they've been more successful potentially due to them being in being in the East, but they're starting to feel uh, a lot more like a uh, you know like a middling roster there, and they have a lot of pieces that they could uh, potentially combine and get. Uh, and get a bigger fish like a Ben Simmons. Um, and I think the most interesting way to do that would be to move DeMontis Sabonis in a three-way trade because we know that the Sixers would not be necessarily looking to have Sabonis as their biggest return, um, but he definitely provides a lot of talent. So maybe teams like the other two that I mentioned with ties to Daryl Morey, like the Kings or the Timberwolves would uh, would be willing to add st- to still add talent into a deal like this, even if they wouldn't be getting back at Ben Simmons. So, I think, um, you know, I think Carl Towns could fit next to pretty much anybody on offense. But uh, with uh, as far as defensively, the front court of Sabonis and Towns may not be too intriguing. So, um, to me, it made more sense for. Uh, the Kings to aid in this deal because um, they lack in talent more so. So my idea was for um, the Pacers to receive Ben Simmons, the Sixers to receive uh, Buddy Heald, uh, Davion Mitchell, and you would probably have to throw in a Marvin Bagley as well for salaries. Or honestly, I don't think so, and that might be tough too because Marvin Bagley makes like $11.5 as a former second overall pick later on in his rookie deal. But nonetheless, he's he's there to not necessarily swing a deal for his talent but just for the money there because he hasn't, he hasn't produced as much as a number two overall pick, but Buddy Heald could definitely contribute to the Sixers. And I forget if I mentioned, but Davion Mitchell too could also – uh, project to be a point guard who can operate um, somewhat in the pick and roll, not like ex- not like exceptionally compared to other NBA point guards, but maybe more so than a Ben Simmons, given that Davion's more of a true point guard than Ben. Um, but yeah, the podcast that I have heard really um, did not include Tyrese Halliburton at all in these deals because they seem to think that with... Uh, Ben's diminished value and his difficult fits fit that 
Tyrese might be too good to include in in any of these deals, but I don't know. I mean, I definitely like Tyrese Halliburton, and as opposed to Simmons, it's kind of the complete opposite where he could fit like a glove anywhere, but what is his true uh, upside? Does he have an upside? Um, I mean, even with how low Simmons' value is now, like I just feel like even the floor for Simmons at this point um, may not be too different than what what Halliburton's ceiling is, if I'm being honest. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'm going too far the other way in, uh, in counting out a young guy too quick, um, whereas I think a lot of people tend to overrate young guys. But, yeah, he and Mitchell are, of course, both uh, early in their rookie deals, so they could... They're, their salaries could fit in a deal in any which way. Um, another team I had thought about in a similar vein to the Pacers, the Pacers was the Spurs. And I think that this could work well um, also for Ben Simmons because I would feel like he'd maybe have a lot more pride playing for the Spurs than maybe a, a Sacramento or Timberwolves because of the Spurs' success in throughout the past couple decades. Um, he also might appreciate the warm weather better and also playing under Greg Popovich, he might kind of uh, swallow his ego, his ego a bit. I know I'm not qualified to toss out this much slander, but he might um, he might defy some of the some of the takes on him that he might be kind of a prima donna at this point, but but yeah, I think some of the fit there is is a bit more tough because in my trade scenario they would be moving um i don't know i guess i guess the spurs now do have salaries uh more middle salaries from that uh from that demar derozan sign and trade like a uh um pardon me a thad young or, or an al farouk amino that could help them get closer to simmons's uh $33 million salary if they pair that alongside a DeJounte Murray, who would probably be um, he would probably be the, the biggest uh, return piece. And then um, they, have, they have plenty of other uh, wings with a lot of potential that they could throw in there for uh, not a ton of, ton of money, like a, like a Lonnie Walker or uh, Devin Vassell. Um, they'd they're probably pretty high on Keldon Johnson, so if they're throwing in a lot of other pieces and picks, they might want to keep him. Um, but, like, realistically, if that if that's the sticking point in a trade, um, I don't know if Keldon Johnson would be truly worth not getting a Ben Simmons for, but, you know, it's all relative to Ben Simmons' current value compared to what people, some people still believe his ceiling could be. Um so yeah, I've like I've liked the idea of the Spurs too, just because they uh, are approaching more of like a blank canvas at this point. Uh, Dejounte Murray's an all-defensive caliber guy, uh, so they'd be giving up less on that end when giving up Ben Simmons. But he also is a point guard who can operate in the pick and roll, uh, even if he's less of a shooter. And they have other pieces to throw in there. Um, and then, and then if the Spurs could keep Derek White there, he could operate as as a true point guard. Because if you include White and Murray, 
then their only other real point guard, which Simmons is not a real point guard, would be Trey Jones as it stands, um, which is uh, which would be asking him asking a lot of him. Even though I do like him as a prospect, um, and that's a lot of Simmons talk already for a Milwaukee Bucks show. But lastly, I wanted to toss out the idea or throw in the idea that I heard from. Um, I'll plug the show again, but it's, again, the Athletic Sam Vecini's Game Theory podcast, which is one of my favorites for sure. Um, they had an idea that I wasn't really thinking about, but if Ben Simmons were to go to the Grizzlies, because at this point they're um, sort of in the middle right now, but do have um, upside in the future to do something big in the playoffs. Um, and Vecini's idea of the trade was obviously... John Morant is far from a respectable shooter at this point. However, if their point guard doesn't become a respectable shooter, they don't really have, uh, they might not have the horses to get to um, the impact they want to make in the playoffs one day. So maybe it wouldn't matter (laughs) anyway if, if John Morant doesn't shoot. And I think there's, it's a lot more reasonable to expect John Moran to shoot one day than Ben Simmons. But um, also you'd be pairing Ben Simmons in the front court along with Jaron Jackson Jr. who is um, has a skill set similar to but not at the level of a Carl Anthony Towns that we talked about before. He would just have an exceptional fit next to um, Ben Simmons. And yeah. And then with the Pacers like I had talked about before, of course, uh, he's not nearly as quick and not nearly the the shooter of the other two guys that I've mentioned, but uh, of course Miles Turner can um, can hit a can hit a spot up three and space the floor a bit for Ben Simmons on the front court and uh, definitely protect the rim. Um, if uh, Simmons is more of a incredibly versatile switchy uh, perimeter defender. All right, well. Like I said, that's uh, plenty of Ben Simmons talk from Milwaukee Bucks podcast, and I thank everybody for sticking around here on this uh, on this shorter show this week. Um, but I definitely have uh, I definitely have a lot more uh, ideas cooking out there for uh, how to how to keep everyone on their how to keep everyone on their toes with uh, Bucks action throughout the off season. And as I say that, as we speak, the Milwaukee Bucks have agreed to sign uh, Justin Robinson to a to a two-way contract. Justin Robinson uh, spent um, last two seasons uh, with the Washington Wizards and the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder. This news coming from the Athletic Shamsarania. Um, pardon me, I'm pulling up his basketball reference. Um, yeah, let's see. I believe I was afraid I was confusing him with another player, but, uh, yeah, Justin Robinson, of course, he played in nine games each of the previous two seasons, uh, first year with the Wizards last year with the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, obviously not, um, numbers that won't jump out at you at all, but with, uh, two point three points and uh, an assist per per game in those nine contests. Um, but 
I mean, honestly, with with these, uh, you know, with the little opportunity cost to be lost on these moves um, on a two-way deal, there's uh, not too much to look into, but for what it's worth, um, his averages will look a lot better if you go to his G League numbers. That was uh, a G League career high, uh, 15 and a half points per game last year. He also had 5.9 assists and 3.4 rebounds and 1.6 deals per game. So, um, yeah, so... I guess as it stands, unless we uh, unless we hear about anyone anyone being cut, well, yeah, it does not look like. I guess he will be competing against Tremont Waters in uh, training camp, because um, of course, Bucks aren't necessarily married to any of these guys for the entire year. If they're just signing them to two way deals. Um, if they think that they can that they can take a shot on another guy, if they're not impressed with someone after a period of time, um, teams aren't necessarily um, afraid to cut guys and take a swing on another. Um, but yeah, <laughs> not the uh, not the most exciting breaking news by any means, but uh, you know perhaps more will come out by next week's episode. So stay tuned for that. And I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.